You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show heading into the weekend for you. We've got some Bachelor news. We've got some stuff in regards to yesterday's podcast with Kate Casey. A little bit of a follow-up. Got some challenge news. Kim Kardashian is back at it with talking about her sex life. And then we've got Major League Baseball playoffs, college, and pro football to end it with. And we will get to that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by First Leaf Wines. First Leaf makes it simple to discover new wines you'll love. They learn your tastes, then deliver quality wines right to your door. Sign up today, and you're going to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash realitysteve to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. Also, this podcast brought to you by Dame Products. The dip is the new vibrator to enjoy. Whether it's your first vibrator or the toy that helps you rediscover what feels good for you, it's designed to be unintimidating and to encourage pleasure exploration without shame. Go to dameproducts.com and type in promo code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order. Speaking of first order, I guess you could say we're first order of business here, is the fact that in case you didn't Listen to yesterday's Thursday podcast in the open of my interview, podcast number 308 with Kate Casey. I did reveal that Tajwan Hawkins was the former contestant who showed up on Zach's season. It was on the first group date of the year. She was actually there as, I guess they were judges. I haven't really gotten the description of exactly what they were doing there. It was Tajwan, Victoria Fuller, and Courtney Robertson were there to like, I guess, give advice or help the women out. It was the first group date of the season. And then when they went to the after party, Tazwan showed up at the after party as well, seemingly trying to get on the show. Again, first group date of the season. So Zach really couldn't say like, hey, you're a little bit late to the party. I've already established a relationship with a lot of these women. It wouldn't be fair. It was the first day of the season. So for whatever reason, I mean, maybe they convinced Tazwan to go do it. It's probably that. It was probably producer production, you know, uh, producer manipulation to get her to go in there, probably convinced her, oh, yeah, Zach wants you here. And then they put her in that environment and embarrass her. Um, I don't have all the details, so I don't know for sure, but I, you know this way the show works, you know. They, and nothing they do is just, oh, wow, yeah, let's just uh, see what happens, you know. Turn the cameras on and whatever happens, happens. No, they have a hand behind basically everything that goes on to this show. And if Tazwan was there helping out the women during the day, I'm sure they were thinking in their minds, what if we brought her to the after party and kind of went from there. So I'll have more details as everything goes on and as we get deeper into the season. Right now, we are in episode five, and I know it had gotten out there yesterday. There was some scuttlebutt on the internet a couple things were sent to me in regards to where they were. There was rumors that they were um, in London, or there was some talk that they were in London. I was able to finally get back, or my source got back to me and confirmed that, yes, they are in London for Episode 5. So I would expect 6 and 7 to probably be somewhere in Europe as well. But they are in London for Episode 5. I'm guessing dates start today in London because... 
Or they could have started yesterday because the rose ceremony in the Bahamas was on Tuesday? God, I'm losing track of days. I should have written this down. But if the rose ceremony in the Bahamas was on Tuesday, that means dates would have started yesterday in London. If it was on Wednesday, dates would start today in London. But yeah, they are definitely in London. Was able to get that confirmed from my source and trying to find out where they're headed after London, but you got to imagine it's going to be around there. And then where, obviously, they're going to be heading after uh, overnights and final rose ceremony. So that's where they're at right now. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about after yesterday's podcast with Kate Casey is we talked about the idea of Kate is really behind the idea they got to bring in somebody new. And, you know, before they announced Zach, I was, you know, kind of clamoring for, hey, let's just switch it up. It's not that big of a deal. If you try it once, if it ultimately bombs, who cares? Then just go back to recycling your leads. And then they named Zach, and it's like, okay. And then I was talking to Kate yesterday in the podcast, and we were basically just kind of going back and forth of, look, this is this is their formula. They love having a lead that has a backstory that the audience has already followed. And they're really scared to bring somebody in that doesn't have a following. If you just bring in Joe Blow, who's a financier in New York City, it's like he might be a great catch, but the audience isn't attached to him in any way, shape, or form. They're just getting to know him the day you announce him. Now, granted, they can do Google searches and stuff like that, but that's just for the diehards. The average fan who doesn't follow along on the Internet when the show is not on the air don't have a connection to somebody like that. Now, I'm sure there will be people that are like, hey, great, something new. But there's a reason they've done it 30 seasons in a row now of putting someone in the lead position who the fan base is familiar with. We talked about it yesterday. Matt James was the closest one that wasn't, even though, one, he was set to be on Claire's season, and two, people did know who he was. A lot of people, not probably the average fan didn't, but... A lot of people were well aware of who he was because of the quarantine crew with Tyler Cameron and Hannah Brown and the fact that they just knew he was Tyler Cameron's best friend. So the other thing I was thinking about yesterday, and I actually messaged Kate back to share this with her, was I think one of the other reasons that they are so scared to bring in somebody new is because that new person they bring in isn't somebody that's gone through this process. And we've talked about this numerous times when it comes to this show you kind of got to play the game. You got to play the game with producers. You kind of have to know the ins and outs. And when they tell you to do something or they literally tell you to repeat something into the camera, you kind of got to do it. And that's why somebody coming from a season that was just on, it's a lot easier. They know what they're getting into. Somebody from the outside has no clue and they don't know the ins and outs and how things work and kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge of, hey, you kind of got to do this if you're going to be on this show. So I think that's another major reason why they haven't done it. So I told that to Kate and in a voice message and then she voice messaged me back with why she thinks that's the exact reason they should bring somebody in who has no experience and I think I'm just going to hold my phone up to the microphone and you'll be able to hear it pretty well. I'll make sure to pump up the volume when I edit this. But um, here was her message back to me when I said, I basically left her a voice message explaining exactly what I just explained to you in regards to bringing in a new lead who's not even familiar with the show and how it works and the 
and the cameras and what they have to do. And this was her response back to me. But you see how all the current contestants are now pushing back. So I think they actually actually have to change course and get someone who's so hungry to be on television that they are willing to take direction. And if you have the right producer who is manipulative enough, they can say, this is your ticket to fame. Just trust us. Trust the process. I think that's the problem they're in now is that the former contestants are way too savvy. you got to get someone in who's too green. That's a good point. The former contestants are way too savvy, and they are, but I guess by being savvy, you're also very well aware of kind of what you need to do, and like I said, play the game with producers, and a new person, what if they're just, what if they sign their contract, they get into it, and they're just way too hard to deal with, and producers are like, no, you don't understand, this is the way it's done on this show. I guess it would be interesting because I guess that person could still just be like, well, I'm not doing it. But then what are they going to do? Stop production and be like, okay, you're done. We're bringing in somebody else. This isn't back to the future where they can replace Eric Stoltz five weeks into filming with Michael J. Fox. Like they can't do that on the bachelor. You sign a contract. It's over. Well, I say that. And then the Claire situation pops into my head and I'm like, well, they kind of did it with Claire, but Claire left with, Dale, so they had a reason, you know, we're, we're st- we can still debate until the end of time if that was something that they forced her to do because they wanted, they already knew they wanted to bring in Tasha. We don't know um, for sure yet, but I, I think it's an interesting point that she brings up to bring in somebody that's like, even though I haven't been on your show, I'll do whatever you say because I want the notoriety. I want to build a brand but I don't want my career to be in reality TV. So I guess it's, I guess it is possible. One other thing in regards to the bachelor actually it has to do with bachelor in paradise. There is a, an email going around. It was sent to me yesterday in regards to getting an audience to appear at the taping for the, after the, not the, after the final rose, but the bachelor in paradise finale taping. And it's happening on Friday, November 4th. Is that the date? Yeah, Friday, November 4th. So emails have been sent out. And this is, you know, you kind of have to be on their email list to even get this. But emails have been sent out in regards to this. And that basically means that last year we didn't have a update on what was going on with the couple's post-show. Now we're going to get it. It's not, it's not going to be live. Obviously, they're going to tape it on the 4th. And I'm assuming that will air on Tuesday, November 22nd, which is the finale of the show. So that is happening. And for the first time since, did they do it in in six? That might have been live. I don't even remember. But we're definitely getting an update on the couples because they're filming a taping on November 4th to air on November 22nd in, for the Bathroom Paradise finale. Now, moving on couple things in regards to yesterday as well. I asked about the challenge. I said, look, I don't want to know any spoilers, but if anybody has any idea what happened to Casey and Kenny and why when they showed up at the challenge, daily challenge, they weren't there, and TJ said yeah, Casey and Kenny had to leave, they couldn't give us an explanation. I hinted that it was, is it COVID-related? And I find out, yes, it was Casey and Kenny did have to leave and quarantine uh, because of COVID. 
However, mini spoiler, it's not like they're gone for the whole season. I guess once they were out of quarantine and safe, they come back on the show as well as, as you know, Anissa and Jordan come in as a ride or die couple on this show. But apparently Anissa's original partner, I forget who it was. I think James was his name. And I don't know if it was a James that's a, a veteran or something like that. I can't remember. But Anissa, her original partner, is couldn't make it because of COVID. So I guess that's why she ended up with Jordan. Because I, when I found out that Anissa and Jordan were a ride or die this season, I was like, really? Now, I've watched the last 15 seasons of The Challenge. And granted, I forget a lot. In fact, I forget way more than I remember. But at no point did I ever feel that Anissa and Jordan were super close to the point where they were ride or dies. We know this show takes liberties when they have themed seasons. You know, exes, you know, Johnny and Nani were on exes together, I believe, and they were barely exes. They had hooked up. So I think at this point, it's just a way to get certain people on the show. And bringing in two vets like that definitely helps the veterans because it seems like the rookies way outweigh the veterans on this season of Ride or Dies. So uh, Casey and Kenny, I have been told, do come back. They were just off because of of COVID. Plus, you would think about it, I didn't go back and watch the preview for the season, but I can remember a couple weeks ago when I saw the preview for the season, I thought I saw Casey in there because Nani's there, and they're obviously a couple. So... Yeah, that probably gave it away, too. And I just wasn't thinking uh, when I said that yesterday. Here's some pop culture news. I saw this headline, and I was just like, okay. This happened on the Kardashians show on yesterday. I don't watch the Kardashians show on Hulu, but (laughs) every single storyline on that show ends up as a headline on us weekly's website the headline read this kim kardashian admits to grandmother mary joe mj houghton that she and pete davidson had sex in front of a fireplace in her honor the quote was pete and i were staying at the beverly hills hotel last weekend and we were sitting in front of the fireplace just talking for hours and i was like my grandmother told me that you really live life when you have sex in front of the fireplace so we had sex in front of the fireplace in honor of you (laughs) I mean, there's no shame in her game. There's no doubt about that. She'll say and talk about anything. And then the fact that this becomes a headline on Us Weekly, it's just... Again, I find the show fascinating, even though I don't even watch it, because of the time lapse. Like, we already know Pete and Kim have broken up, but yet here we are, here you guys are, people that watch the show are watching it and seeing it kind of play out of, I guess, how the breakup happens. They haven't even gotten to that part yet because yesterday's episode had them having sex in front of a fireplace. I didn't know that was a thing. You can't live life until you have sex in front of a fireplace. Uh, okay. Why? What's I, I, but then she told her grandma about it. So, Look, it's the Kardashian show. I guess you you should expect anything, and certainly you're getting it with storylines like that. Now, 
We've got about four minutes left in the podcast. I can't tell you how giddy I am for this weekend, tomorrow especially, of college football. Do you know tomorrow in college football, there is something happening that's only happened once in the history of college football before? And that is tomorrow we have three games where it's two undefeated teams of 5-0 and or better playing each other. Penn State and Michigan, Bama at Tennessee, Oklahoma State at TCU. All of them, 5-0 and or better. And it's only going to happen one other time in the history of college football. So that is huge. Look, anybody that's a Tennessee Vol fan, I feel your pain. Alabama has beaten you senseless for, I think, 14 consecutive times. You've never really been close. You've been the little brother to their big brother. They've owned you. But if there was ever a time that Tennessee had the ability to beat Alabama, it's tomorrow. So, Vol fans, I'm not saying you have to win, but if you can't win tomorrow, I don't know when you're getting another chance because as good as Alabama has been this year and they are undefeated, they are beatable. I've watched every one of their games this year. This is not the Alabama teams of the past. Their offensive line isn't nearly as good. Their wide receivers are not like the Amari Coopers of the world and the Devontae Smiths of the world. They don't have any guys out there that are even close to some of these first-round guys that have been drafted in the last few years. Not even close. Their offensive line is not dominant like it was when they're racking up national championships. And you're getting Bryce Young off an injury. Now, if Bryce Young doesn't play and Jalen Milrow does and you don't win you, you should be favored if Jalen Milrose starts. He's just not good. He's not. He's not a good college quarterback. You should beat him at home. You should beat Bama at home if Jalen Milrose plays either starts and plays the whole game or has to come in because Bryce Young maybe gets hurt again. You should beat them. Now, if Bryce Young is playing, Alabama's probably the better team, but you have everything going in your favor. You have a quarterback that has been playing out of his mind since he was put in as the starter last year. Hendon Hooker, the statistics on that guy rival just about anybody in college football. So if you haven't been able to tell, <laughs> I'm on Tennessee tomorrow. I took him plus the seven. I took him on the money line. I think they're going to win. I think at some point you can't just keep getting your ass kicked over and over and over and over again. This is their best chance. They had a reason they got their ass kicked for the last 14 years. Alabama was way better. They are not way better this season. You are good enough to beat them. Whether or not you do comes down to, obviously, turnovers, execution. You don't want anyone to get hurt. But, man, I'm I'm on you tomorrow, Vols. I'm with you. I'm also very well aware of the fact that they are the most public dog on the board tomorrow. Vegas is taking in the most tickets and the most money on the volunteers. Like, the gambling world is on the Vols tomorrow, and that's usually never a good sign when the public is on one team because the public doesn't, lose, the public doesn't win the majority of the time. That's why Vegas looks the way it does, because people lose. So, we'll see. I hope I'm not a moron for being on the square dog this weekend, but I'm on them. I also like I also like Penn State plus the points. 
I like Penn State getting seven at Michigan. I don't think Michigan's played anybody worth a damn. Penn State really hasn't either. You could say Auburn, but Auburn sucks. Michigan hasn't played anybody. I mean, nobody. So I don't know how good they are. So I'll just take seven points and just hope this is a three-point game, four-point game. Don't care who wins. When you gamble, you don't really care who wins, just as long as they cover the spread. Oklahoma State, TCU, um, tough one. I'll, 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 I'll just go with I'll take TCU. But if Oklahoma State won, would I be shocked? No. Um, but I think I, I love this TCU team. Um, they, are, they were my, they were my biggest bet preseason for over on their total wins for the season. Their over was their total was six and a half. They're already five and zero. Oh. Have a pretty good feeling they'll go minimum two and five the rest of the way. So going to win that one. But yeah, they're my um they were my number one team to go over this year and they're 5 and 0. Did not think they'd be 5 and 0, but I definitely thought they were a 7 or 8 win team. And the NFL the last two Thursday nights, holy shit. Colts and Broncos last week, like you watch that game and you're like there can't be a worse game ever in the NFL that has to be isolated on a Thursday night. And then the Washington Commanders and Chicago Bears Said, you know what, guys? Hold my beer. And put up that stinker last night. 12 to 7, the Commanders win in literally the worst game I've ever seen. And I and I think I said that last week. <clears throat> that was awful. And I I hate to say this because Ohio State is such a factory when it comes to college football and what they do in college, but how many Ohio State quarterbacks are going to flame out in the pros? It is unbelievable. Troy Smith, Cardale Jones, um, who else am I? I mean, I, there's others. Um, I, you can add Justin Fields to the list, but because you watch him play, and you can blame it on the Chicago and their horrible offensive line. Yes, their offensive line is terrible. But nothing about him makes me think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback at all. Um, JT Barrett, another bomb out. Rest in peace. Dwayne Haskins was not doing well. That's five Ohio State quarterbacks in the last, what, eight years? Maybe ten if you got to go back for Troy Smith. That like literally dominated college and threw for a boatload of yards and a bunch of touchdowns, and they've all gotten to the pros and done absolutely nothing. If you want to throw Terrell Pryor in, you can. Terrell Pryor as well. That's six. Like, how can they be so good in college and just not translate to the NFL? Something is missing. And I hate to tell you this, I know we're only one season and five games into or six games into Justin Fields' career. It ain't it. It's not working for him. So, I hate to I hate to tell you that Bears fans, but I hope you have. Now, the good thing is, you're probably going to have a very piss poor record this year. Maybe have a top five pick, and there are some good quarterbacks coming out of college this year that you're probably going to take a shot on because Justin Fields isn't the answer. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. Anything that I find out from Bachelor Filming in London this weekend, I will be putting on my Twitter and my Instagram stories. I might get something. I might not. I never know. So we'll see what happens. But thank you all for tuning in. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. And we will talk to you on Monday. See you! See you!